Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about Vault of Glass returning. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always support this podcast directly and take part in the Q&A by going to patreon.com forward slash SNTR Presents. When you go to the Patreon for five bucks, you can get in the Discord, submit questions. We even have a VIP tier if you want to be one of the first people to submit questions to avoid those duplicates. As always, if you're on YouTube, hit and like, share, subscribe, all those help me out. I even have a link below. If you just want to do a tip instead of Patreon, thank you to everybody who's been jumping in. So, you know, Vaults of Glass returning, for some people, this is a dream come true, right? We, we, we miss the classics. We miss those Destiny 1 raids. I would be concerned a little bit, though, that for many people, this is not a big deal. They never played the raids. They don't feel like raids are accessible to them. You know, we've always kind of thrown out the number that raids are engaged with by about 10% of the community. But I do think it's good to see this commitment from Bungie to bring back what would be considered some of the best content from Destiny 1, especially in light of there's new consoles on the horizon. We're on PC now. Uh, We're likely going to see an uptick in performance on the consoles with respect to frames per second, uh, the graphical fidelity, uh, just FOV in general. And I think some of the best content in Destiny for that that update would be the raids. Obviously, if you you know you hear this and you're like, I don't really run raids, I'm kind of disappointed by this. I can understand and relate to that, but they're going to be adding endgame content, raid content, Grandmaster Nightfall style content that is generally out of your reach anyway. So hopefully this would not be something that would detract from bandwidth to create good content loops and really good reinvigoration of core activities for you. Because Vault of Glass is obviously one of, if not the most iconic piece of content from Destiny 1. All the raids are, in many respects, very iconic. So, I think this is the beginning of something I'm excited about as as somebody who has been playing since the beta of D1. So, I want to walk through this, though, and talk about why and when. Why are they doing this? When is it going to show up? Then I want to talk about just a reskin. I think folks are concerned about that. We're a lot stronger now. What about the guns? I want to end by saying it needs to be inspired by and expanded upon. So let's just start with why and when. I I kind of liked the language that they used with respect to why they would be bringing these back. Bringing back the greatest hits. When a game has been out this long, there's a lot of nostalgia about Destiny 1. Sometimes I think that nostalgia goes too far. I think people describe and summarize Destiny 1 in ways that I, I don't think the game existed uh, in the way that some people think that it did. It was very barren. It was very thin. There wasn't a lot going on. They suffered pretty significant player drop-off in the first couple of months, but I do think the nostalgia is strong, and it's probably the strongest uh, with respect to certain raids, namely Vogue, and then I think King's Fall would be the next one. Obviously, Wrath is my favorite, but by and large, I love the language here. Oh, we're going to bring back the greatest hits. Now, this extends beyond Vogue, right? There's strikes coming back, the Cosmodrome's coming back. Obviously, there's concern. I have my own concerns about the, the... the luster will fade very quickly. How exciting is it really going to be to go back into, you know, the Sepic Strike or 
you know, going down to the Cosmodrome. You know, are these areas of the game good enough on their own to really stand strong? That'll remain to be seen, but I did appreciate the language and just the philosophy of we've got great content that really needs to be brought back and obviously new consoles and PC playing a role there. Now, it's going to land in year four, but not in 2020. This was confirmed by Luke Smith on Twitter. Vault of Glass will return in 2021. So the question there would be spring or summer. I would put my chips on the table for summer. Uh, Bungie has shown traditionally and historically over the years, spring's a week time, not just for the community, like less people playing, but they also tend to deliver less content in the spring. Uh, That doesn't mean they're always going to do it that way, but for me, I definitely think that we're going to see this land in the summer. It'll be some way to bolster summers they like to make kind of big. We're about to go into, you know, moments of triumph, and, you know, they they always, you know, I think, I don't know if they're doing solstice, but they like to kind of beef up summer, kind of get people excited again. They did that with Menagerie and Opulence, and then that serves as a great runway to their annual expansion. So that's where I would guess Vault of Glass is going to land with respect to when. So the why and the when, I think, is understandably one of the things that is going to be speculated about, but they did indicate why they're they're doing this. Now, just a reskin. Anytime they do this sort of thing, this is what you're going to hear. People are going to clamor to Reddit. They're going to jump on YouTube and Twitter and be like, this is just a reskin. Bungie's lazy. This is all they ever do is they just repackage old content. I... They're not in a great position right now to really talk about Vaults of Glass returning after my recent video, the one that we just put up today uh, before I recorded this. You know, the reissued weapons is becoming a point of criticism, a point of concern with respect to sunsetting. So it's obvious anytime you talk about bringing something back or reusing it, it's not going to go over all that well right now. I think Bungie needs to get in front of this and start talking about their plans for reissues, their plans for Cosmodrome strikes, things being brought back, because it needs to be clear to people, and this is something that I don't think they did a good job of with the moon. They brought the moon back and changed it significantly. The lost sectors were massive and they were almost like mini strikes. And then they added the whole new area and the whole new instance of Altar of Sorrows. And then the new strike with the, the Crimson Keep. And then they added the dungeon. And they did all of this to the moon, and the public events were very different. And as much as we didn't like the tower events, you know, they even had they even had the the moon set up for tower events. They didn't really establish how much they did to us. We kind of had to discover it on our own. So the narrative becomes, oh, they just brought back the moon. It's just a reskin. It's like, well, that's not really accurate to what they did and how it came back. So I would think in a similar vein, if you're bringing back Cosmodrome strikes and VOG or reissuing weapons, there needs to be a clear message sense about what all is being updated. Why is it different? Why is it better? Is it enhanced? Are we going to have different experiences or surprises or you know, what's going to be happening in the actual encounters? So I I would say the weapons and the encounters will need to be updated. We're way stronger now than we were in D1. We've got stuff we can do with respect to damage output and survival that, you know, we, it was a lot harder uh, to do some of that in D1. Well of Radiance is probably the biggest culprit here because he had to kind of dip in and out of the Titan bubble. Well, you're not going to have to do that with a Well of Radiance. So for virtually every encounter where you need to survive, which 
both Templar and Atheon, you're doing a lot of standing and shooting, that Well of Radiance is really, really going to change things, I think. So I think encounters might have to be changed. Weapons, the weapons are pretty basic back then. They're going to have to be updated. You can't just hand people basic weaponry that back then was cool and unique and special, but not now. We, you know, we're in some respects, we're kind of spoiled by how many great weapons and how many strong weapons we have now. So these things are all going to need to be changed, which is why I'm saying the goal would be inspired by and expanded upon. It should clearly be inspired by Vault of Glass, but it needs to be expanded upon. You can't leave things exactly as they were. I don't want another Fatebringer. I'll be honest, as much as I love it, as much as we all think, oh yeah, Fatebringer is one of the most commonly named legendary weapons from Destiny 1 as the favorite, I don't want another one. I want a Fatebringer, you know, plus. I want, oh yeah, this is clearly the Fatebringer, but it needs to be better, it needs to be enhanced, and listen, in light of sunsetting, you better be delivering top-tier loot in raids. If you're gonna bring back Vaults of Glass, it can't have basic weapons this has been the problem since I would say since King's Fall that you know raids have had boring guns oh, a couple good ones here and there some shining stars in the rubble but most of the weapons have been pretty basic not stand out some you would even say they weren't even close to being best in class compared to other best in class weaponry in the game so sunsetting is being added so that when I go into a raid or a dungeon I am then guaranteed to a certain degree this stuff's gonna be awesome because you're, you're, you're sunsetting to make room at the top at the upper echelons so my fate bringer it better be an absolute killer and on top of that it needs to have I would hope the intrinsic perks again you know the oracle disruptor but it needs to be a top tier you know upper echelon weapon pretty much everywhere and then obviously it can be at its absolute best inside the raid Uh, the encounters are going to have to be expanded here too many things that we do now are far more complicated if you go back and you play Vogue as a guardian right now with everything that you can do with the exotics that you have and the powers and supers that you have it's it's going to feel chintzy if they don't really add layers to the encounters now i'm not really sure about let's just throw in a bunch of champions everywhere i'm worried i have a lingering concern that's going to be their new answer to making something hard is just you know put a bird on it you know just throw champions in it i i don't think i don't think that's the right route to take i am always pushing for mechanical pain make me do more and I've always used the light eater knights as the best example for increased mechanical pain that stayed true to the encounter but then I suddenly had to do more I wasn't suddenly delted and weak and trying to kill some sponge but I had something more to do and I I think champions are going to get a little old if that's just all they're ever doing with them if they're never interesting if there's no dynamics if there's no depth just, oh yeah, throwing them everywhere. I'm in favor of champions being in more places, giving us more freedom, but I'm, I'm hoping that's not the only thing they do. And lastly, obviously, tokens, revive tokens and revive timer, does that have a place in Vogue? Are you going to take away some of those famous clutch moments? Are you going to take away some of those moments where the team presses on uh, that, that's a, that's another thing i am i have questions about if you're going to be bringing back vog or any of the other greatest hits raids from d1 
are, are we going to be doing this thing where we get wiped by a timer or are they finally going to get rid of that in raids so those are my thoughts on VOG returning Q&A we'll follow this again if you want to take part in Q&A patreon.com forward slash SNTR presents that'll get you in the discord VIP you can ask questions before everybody else alright thanks so much for watching please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my video about Vault of Glass returning. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always support this podcast directly at patreon.com forward slash SNTR Presents. That's also how you can submit questions. We are recording these right now instead of doing them live, so you can submit your questions in the Discord Uh, A normal, just $5 Patreon will let you get in there. You can see the questions and submit your own. VIP patrons that that do the $15, they can submit a little bit earlier. They get the early access. But everybody that joins the Patreon can join the Discord and submit questions. Thank you to everybody who's been joining while we kind of figure out this transitional period. And uh, we're going to jump right in here to the questions about Vault of Glass returning. Obviously, I shared my thoughts and many people are interested in how this is probably going to end up playing out. So, Techno Tyrant with the first question. Should Vogue be brought back exactly as it was in D1 or updated to include things in Destiny 2 like champions? This this question happened a couple of times in this Q&A, but I'm going to answer it in a couple different ways because I did answer it in the video. I mean, I, I, I do think one of the things people forget... I want to answer this in parts, right? What what do we forget would be the first thing I want to talk about. Well, we tend to forget how different combat was back then and how strong we are now. Uh, the, we, just the nature and the speed and the power of our characters in Destiny 1 wasn't quite the way uh, that it is in the, in, the, in the present. And there's a handful of things that are... Uh, you could attribute this to. I mean, Armor 2.0, I think, has significantly changed how much... We have control over our loadout. Not only that, how much control we have over cooldown on abilities. Just an example I would give when I was playing on my Hunter with Wormhusk and I had my refresh at nine seconds on Dodge. I, whenever I played content on a Titan, I, I was grinding Nightfalls with people for exotics and I was on a Titan after playing on a Hunter for so long, the content suddenly felt significantly harder because I had to actually like pay attention and go into cover and use my towering barricade and to stay alive. And so that's just one example of how a couple of things different in your loadout and your, your armor 2.0 and some mods and some tweaks and the right exotic and it can really dramatically change the way that, that content feels and I think that is something that we forget. We are very strong right now. We have very strong weapons. We can buff and debuff constantly especially now when you know oppressive darkness darkness made its return. This, this is something that will affect how this content can come back. So that's kind of the first layer, things we uh, forget. And then the second layer is we we are we're unaware, I think, of how good we are at the game after all these years. Uh, a good example you could see this would be in the raiding community. When content comes out, it's generally only difficult when we're heavily delted or we're confused. Once we know what to do and we're at the level of the encounter, virtually all raids kind of become cruise control. Uh, this is one of the reasons that I've consistently asked for hard mode and, and I've given a lot of ideas on how to do that. But I do think that we're so good at raiding 
that will also have an effect on this content. You already know kind of what's coming. Even if the mechanics change or the fights change a little bit, you know what the room looks like, you know in general what's you know sort of demanded of you. You, you kind of have a, a, a generic grasp on what's going on. If you remember what it felt like to go from normal King's Fall to hard, it was oh no, wow, there's this or there's that now or there's this new thing we have to do. But in general, that's easier to add because you're already knowing what to do. You're already spinning these four plates. Now you got to spin this fifth one. So when they want to bring back these greatest hits, I think that's a question that I have personally myself is that are you going to be completely reevaluating? a couple of things. Number one, mechanics. Are you going to try to surprise us and require us to do brand new things or are you just going to tweak what's already there? Uh, the other question I have is are you going to be adjusting health pools of enemies, number of enemies, uh, how much damage they do? Are you going to have a hard mode? Are you going to have a way to delta us beyond maybe contest modifier for the first 24 hours? Right? So if they don't do that, there's a couple of things that are going to land on Vogue that will inevitably make people either enjoy it less or kind of think what was the point of that and those things are experience and power we have lots of experience in destiny running raids newer raids i would argue that some of the raids like last wish are significantly harder than vault of glass at its core now when vault of glass first landed nobody had a clue what was going on world's first was anywhere from 13 to 16 hours and last wish was you know beyond that last wish you know was was somewhere in the 20 hour range i can't quite remember world's first but it was somewhere in that range you know they squeaked in under the 24 mark another team did and then the famous instance with you know dado's team at 2402 um so last wish is like you know one of the hardest raids that there there was and what that does is is that adds experience you, you feel pretty confident. I mean, you watch these teams, you watch these players dive into dungeons and dive into things day one. One of the reasons they're confident is experience. And then the other thing that will land on this is power. There are plans to add newer weapons, better weapons. There's going to be a raid in September that will likely have really good weapons in it if Sunsetting does what it's supposed to. So that means by the time Vaults of Glass rolls around, we might even be a little bit stronger than we are right now. We might feel stronger. There might be, uh, you know, some new new damage strategies that emerge. We don't even know what the stasis subclass and the stasis elements going to bring. Those are other layers of potential power that could bring disruption uh, and trivialization to Vaults of Glass. Now, hopefully, Bungie's considering all of this. You're going to be, you know, giving us new weapons. There's going to be new pinnacle, upper echelon, best-in-class gear new abilities, new supers and all of that is going to land on Vault of Glass and both of our both our experience and our power would I think dictate they're going to have to make significant changes but therein lies the question should they be doing that? Should they be not only spending a significant amount of time bringing back old content that smaller portions of the community engage with, should they also then be bringing it back and making lots of changes? 
given that they can't copy paste something that we know this with the maps they brought back if they're essentially going to be building this from the ground up I would anticipate some significant changes in light of everything I've said because if not the whole thing is going to go off like a bottle rocket it'll be really exciting and whoop up that first week and everybody's like oh my gosh and then in the weeks that follow everybody's going to be like yeah it's just vlog and it's really easy and nothing new and blah 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 I can't see Bungie wanting to do that take the time to do all this and bring this back and not you know make those significant changes so I I feel that it it is necessary to to really reevaluate how these raids land I obviously want all of them to come back I could see Crota not making the cut but I do think King's Fallen Wrath should have their day and especially King's Fall in light of the Witch Queen and the potential return of the Dreadnought, I could see that raid returning after that expansion. You set the stage with, you know, Sabathun, you set the stage with the Dreadnought, and then we fight her, we do a raid, you know, and then in that year, that would be year five, you would see a return of, uh, of the King's Fall raid. And I would hope all of the raids, if brought back, don't feel chintzy and silly because we're too strong and we know too much and we're just too experienced. You want them to have that that sense of this is the pinnacle of Destiny PvE content. Next question from uh, Jay Negrin. Is bringing back Vogue a cheap escape from creating real meaningful new content? This is one of those questions that's kind of laden with an accusation, and I, I generally don't like doing that, you know, to, to, to any developer. Uh, you know, Bungie's trying to do something that not only do they think that they they want to do, but I think that they are right in thinking this. I think they're predicting we want them to do this, and to a certain degree, I would say they're correct in that prediction. So, is it just a cheap escape from creating real meaningful new content? I don't think so because I think what they're attempting to do is give themselves a I would call it a vault rotating door. You're just kind of shuffling through and always pulling things out and putting things away and that enables them to keep the game feeling full without putting themselves into unsustainable you know, whether you want to call it crunch or you want to call it just uh, just bad, bad long-term planning, whatever you want to call it. Like if they're if they're really going to try to main this game, you know, maintain this game for the long term, I can't see um, I can't really see them doing doing what they did in the past. It just wasn't working. You know, they needed High Moon Studios. They needed Vicarious Visions and they don't have that anymore. So they have to come up with basically what I would call like a battle plan. Like, how are we going to weather these years and keep the game feeling full and vibrant and and interesting for everybody on the spectrum? You know, so if a season lands and Vault of Glass is in it, the Raiders are happy, but, you know, what are they doing for the rest of the community? Well, the hope would be that pulling things out of the DCV is enabling them to add good stuff for up up at the top, but also maybe it takes less work to do this, so that enables them to add more for mid lane bottom rung players, people that don't play as often, and then we as players would then be hoping that you know every couple of months when we buy a season pass or jump into a new season that it wouldn't feel so lopsided so if you look at the way they've done some of the seasons now you know you had season of dawn 
It was a little lopsided. It was real front heavy. Everything lands on the front side because stuff's expiring, and then the end is just feast or famine. I mean, you're just getting so much loot, and you're donating all your fractaline. Then Season of the Worthy lands, and we're like, what is this? This is totally different. This isn't the same. There was almost a dissonance from one season to the next with respect to content substance, enjoyment, grindability, loot intentionality. It was like a different. It was like a different company made Season of the Worthy, and I think, I would think that they would want to avoid that, that every season we would come in and it wouldn't feel so lopsided, rather than having, oh man, the first three weeks is just jam-packed, and then it's two months of stretching the dough so thin people fall through it, and I think that's what has been happening. The more committed players are tending to find the content really lackluster after just a couple of weeks, and that's likely why the DCV as an idea was born. You know, hey, what if we bring back some of the classics? What if we continue to have this, almost like this breeze blowing through the game of classics and challenging content? Think of it this way. Once they brought back Vogue, if they do King's Fall and Wrath, if the game continues beyond that, well, now they're in a position to do something with Leviathan, because it's been out of the game for who knows how long since it's leaving in September. So you bring that one back. Right, you you bring back Leviathan, completely rework it. It's got all of its stuff. You could you could basically, it's it's almost like a a cycle on the clock. Once so much time has passed, you come back around. You're like, well, now this content's so old and it's been gone for so long. Bring it back in. That's kind of what I think they're doing here. Now, somebody might hear all that and be like, you're just such a shill. You're just such an apologist. I feel like by now my bias. You know, and my ability to just talk about what I think's right and what should happen and what shouldn't happen. Hopefully, I've been tried and true by the fires of everything that's happened. You can see, like, I'm not blowing smoke here. I, I genuinely think this is a good approach to maintaining the game and not something where you could say, yeah, they're just being cheap and lazy. Why not just make a bunch of new stuff? So, I know people will think that that's just me defending the game at all costs, but a lot of my content recently. And I've got, you know, more videos planned where I'm, I am going to be critical of decisions that they've made and things that they've done because I would like the game that I love and we all love to continue to get better. Um, and so, you know, is it a cheap escape? I don't think so. It's going to take work. It's risky, but I think it's an investment in the future with respect to content rhythm. Pink Hazard. With Vogue returning... Will we see a return of elemental primaries or will Bungie retain the current system and just slot things in the energy slot? Man, you're getting my hopes up with this one because I obviously, you if you know me, I, I've been banging on the drum of please bring back elemental primaries. I've been saying that since I think Forsaken is when I really started to push for, can we just go back to primary, secondary, and heavy? Can we please just go back to that uh, that place because... If if you're going, if if you're going to want to iterate on the weapon system and evolve it to where there's more variety and more dynamics, what we're currently doing, I feel like, is so restrictive because it it, it poses like six different problems. Number one, um, there is a huge chance of 
archetypal vacancies. So if you really love your 150 hand cannon and it's void and it gets sunset, they better have another 150 hand cannon void in, you know, loaded into the hopper. And that feels so transactional. Well, throw this one out. What's the new 150 void hand cannon? That doesn't feel like I'm pursuing weapons and chasing something that I want. I feel like I'm like changing my shoes oh yeah these shoes are too old and dingy now i got holes in the bottom of them i've been running through you know i've been doing cross country for 12 months you know let's throw these out and get another pair of shoes it that just feels like transactional and so archetypal vacancies is one problem another problem you end up with loot bloat if we're honest you just end up with a bunch of bloated loot and unnecessary loot now you got multiple hand cannons that are kinetic multiple hand cannons that are that are energy instead you get way more capital out of four or five hand cannons that are all across archetypes and can have any of the elements and now that they have elements you can lean away from another problem the current system poses you can lean away from damage and reload per like that's all we've been chasing for five years like could we get away from that well a really easy way is if every weapon has an element start doing elemental perks suppression blinding damage over time area of effect you know these are things you can do with the elements I'm hoping that the stasis is the beginning of that it does seem from the images like it's more of an effect than just like an element that pops shields whoop de frick like that doesn't feel like future space magic weaponry it feels like just we're using a lot of the times I feel like I'm running around with Call of Duty weapons. I'm running around with a hand cannon and a shotgun for most of the combat and I would love to see that change and I I really don't think everybody always shoots this down but I don't think you can see the big picture sometimes because we get so caught up in how things are that we think oh if you change it it's going to be a nightmare. If, if they do a season and they're like, here, we got three hand cannons, three auto rifles, three pulse rifles, whatever. Let, let's say two to three of a lot of the main archetypes of weapons. They add all those and we get somewhere between. That takes you usually to about 25 to 30 weapons. Okay. The versatility and the grind in pursuit of those weapons gets exponentially better if they have elasticity. Oh no, this is a void hand. Oh no, no, this is a kinetic. No, 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 no. They're hand cannons. There's a 150, a 110, and a 180, right? That's why I think you should just take the 140s and just absorb them into 150s. So there's three archetypes. Now each archetype gets a new gets a new hand cannon. New perks can be on there, new elemental perks. So god roll discussions start to happen. And if you truly want to get, you know, a well-rounded version of the weapon, you're going to try to get three versions. That's more grind. It's like, I, I, I've got a great one with Void. Now let me try and get a great one with Arc. Th- and then, this is where the two things just dovetail so well. If that's what you're doing, you just got way more capital out of your 25 to 30 weapons, and you have grounds for generosity and weapon intentionality of pursuit. Why? Because... Oh, people are going to get god rolls too fast. Not necessarily, because now the, the hardcore player is going to want three of everything. They're going to want, and people are like, well, my loot pool is going to get so bloated. That seems ridiculous. We generally, you know, hover around a handful of weapons anyway. So obviously, we get very collector, and, you know, with sunsetting, 
the, the, the hope would be every 12 months, you're kind of cleaning out the vault. And so for a year, you're amassing three versions of your absolute favorite weapons. You're not going to do this with every single weapon. Like an auto rifle, you're like, oh, I got a pretty good roll on it. It's pretty fun, but it's not really my cup of tea or I don't really like it for end game content, right? So you would get one of them. But this hand cannon or this pulse rifle or this shotgun or whatever it is that you're, you're gravitating toward, you would try to get three versions. So depending on burns and modifiers and all the different things, you would be, you know, ready to go. You would have all the ones that you want. That pairs perfectly with lots of generosity and intentionality because you're not going to be done really, really quickly. I need to do a video on why the dungeon grind is like perfect. You have, you know what's going to be dropping. You know, you, you allow me to continue to farm it. And the, you know, the loot pool is, is kind of set for me for that week. And I just think that needs to be a continued thing because that enables players to chase what they want. And if you're getting more capital out of a couple of weapons and you're, you're giving me a reason to get multiple versions of it. And not to mention, certain perks could take on and be very very different so the arc version could you'd be chasing a perk called you know maybe chain lightning or or blinding snap right so you pop the head and boom it it snaps this like flash and everyone gets blinded around that guy right well if you're going for the void version you're going to want to go for you know suppression if you're going for the solar version there would maybe be a perk for damage over time so the use of the weapon the, the 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 way that the weapon lands in combat would be different according to the elements too this is why i've continued to say i believe elemental perks offer bungie a lot more potential for diversity and dynamics of both combat as well as weapon design but in general just making us look at weapons very differently than we currently do techno tyrant should we expect venus to return with vog or will we enter it, or will we enter the vault from nessus or elsewhere if the vault weapons come back as if they were in D- i'm going to answer the first question because he asked a couple here i'm being a little bit more lenient with questions because people are paying you know as a patreon to be to have access to this so obviously i'm being a little bit more lenient because it's not just random questions um in a chat so you know, Venus coming back, a lot of people have said no way. There's there's no way they do that. I think it will, and I have a few reasons as to why. Number one, the amount of content they're removing before year four, I think is very telling as to what will be added in year four. Leviathan getting removed is equal to two Venuses, right? Like, Leviathan is absolutely enormous. The raid itself, the underbelly, then you have the menagerie. Then you have the raid layers. It's huge. It's 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 easily two two planets of Venus. All right, so that's getting removed. Then you have Io. Then you have I'm trying to remember all of them off the top of my head. It's hard to say. Oh, Titan and uh, Titan Io Mercury Mars. Right? It was four. I think that's the four. Listen, those planets. And Leviathan, and all we're getting is Europa and the Cosmodrome. Okay, that's, I think, the beginning of what they're adding for year four. We get Europa, then we get Cosmodrome. I think in the summer, they pull Venus out of the vault, Vog comes with it. Maybe we're going there for a particular reason. That would probably be something initiated by one of the new one of the NPCs, maybe the Stranger or something. There's got to be a reason to go back, right? So, to me, if 
if they're taking that many planets out, I would think they would be adding a pretty significant amount of content in year four, and then that sets the stage, right? We go into year five, they'll start removing more, and then we'll know, oh man, we got so much in year four. They added planets, they brought back a raid, they added Europa, they did this, they did that. Then the stage is set. I think people will be less likely to say, oh, I can't believe they're removing content. We'll be like, no, 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 no. Let them remove content content look at how much we got look at how much they were able to add and i think that's so i'm basing my prediction off of the massive vacancy that will be in the game at the beginning of year four okay if they're not adding that much in year four you don't have to rip the band-aid off so extremely they could have left a couple of the planets to be like yeah we're only removing these two or we're only removing this they're removing so much to me that means the 12 months that follow there'll be significant ads because if you're only if you're, oh no they'll do it later year five they'll add more that's why they're taking all the content out now well what that there's no impetus to take it out now right do you track with the logic like the logic is if you're removing it now it's because you're making space for something that's more in the immediate future if you're going to remove it now and not add another planet or do anything significant until 2021 you have removed just a mountain of content and we get now Europa I know is from the rumors and even how they showed on the NP on on the on the director Europa is going to be massive but I would think that the the space they removed is far bigger than just Europa and the Cosmodrome so that's that's where my 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 reasoning comes from on that prediction if I'm wrong who cares Vogue's coming back but I I I tend to think Venus will come back with it um, if the vault weapons come back as they were in D1, couldn't they seem weak compared to our power now? As they won't, uh, as it, or will they come back too powerful and become non-choice weapons? Well, here's the thing. Um, what he means, what he means here is, if they come back too powerful, they're non-choice weapons. It's like, nope, you got to run this for everything. It's literally the best. I'm going to take the front half of your question first because I kind of answered it in the video. I would think they'd have to do these weapons are clearly inspired by weapons of the past because right now, what we can do with weapons, the weapons of Vogue would not be that impressive, okay? Not to mention, I also added to my argument the idea that sunsetting has given us the indication that these, these activities, these areas of the game you know grandmaster nightfalls trials dungeons and 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 raids they should be getting significantly better weapons now that's related to the second part of your question right oh if they're too powerful can they become non-choice weapons i'm gonna say something that might seem strange but i believe this i believe that uh, that's okay to what to an extent okay you're always gonna have this is the best weapon for x that's kind of unavoidable. There's only so much you can do to create layers to combat where you're like, well, not necessarily you could run this too. Generally speaking, when you break down the hard numbers of a raid encounter or a boss, there's going to be the right loadout for doing the most damage. That's just kind of how it goes. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's the purpose of sunsetting. There becomes this this era of the Galahorn era of this and then 12 months later that era goes and kind of fades into the distance and then right now they get those eras to fade into the distance by nerfing stuff that's what they did to the Izanagis it's what they did to Touch of Malice uh, they're they're likely they did it to Sleeper 
you know, because they were, Sleeper got nerfed because of Gambit, and they got nerfed again. It got nerfed again. They come back and they do it again because of reflection damage because of some particular encounter. So again, that's how they get those eras to, to pass away. Sunsetting stands to say, well, no, we're not going to nerf the weapon. And obviously if it's broken, they will. But like, no, that's the era of fill in the blank. And now there's this new era coming in. So I believe non-choice weapons aren't necessarily... Number one, they're not avoidable. I don't think that's possible. You're always going to be like, no, 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 no. Right now, this weapon's a killer. It's excellent. Great rolls, really strong. It's 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 perfect for XYZ encounter. And it does a great job at, 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 at fill in the blank. Okay? It's That's going to happen. And I think the, the main frustration we've had up to now is that those weapons did not come from the places you would think that they would come from. Yeah, the, the hung jury... Uh, and then the palindrome, and then in Destiny 2, the, you've got the blast furnace, amazing pulse rifle. You can just gr- basically grind grind bounties for. Yeah, these are just I'm just throwing out examples off the top of my head. I don't have a laundry list, but you see the point. The 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 hardest content hasn't had very impressive weaponry up to now, and that's supposed to change with sunsetting. So if the if the weapons are quote unquote too powerful they become non-choice weapons, at least that's logical, right? At least the the location of that loot, it's where it should be. Right now, that's already a thing like generally you're going to run a certain gun or a certain loadout in a lot of the activities and then that's that's something we've been doing in Destiny since the beginning. So that's not a new concept. I don't think you can eradicate that from a game like this. That's why I've always been in favor of elemental perks and adding more dynamics to combat, more things that I have to do with the weapon. So if you put more champions in the game and I can run both unstoppable and overload, and if I hold down reload, I can toggle between the two, you have now added a layer to the combat that isn't as simple as shoot everything and wait for the boss or shoot everything, satisfy the mechanic and wait for the boss. It's, oh no, hang on, I gotta switch. Oh wait, nope, I I can't do that yet. I got these guys over here I have to kill first now i can do this you're adding that layer of mechanical pain i've been in a huge you know i've been a huge advocate for that because then this whole idea of non-choice weapons is less concrete because there are so many different things you have to do in a given encounter you might be like actually auto rifles are really good in this encounter why well there's this champion and there's this thing and that thing and i run these two mods and when i toggle between the two it really really helps me it's better it manages it better you know it's it's arc with chain lightning there's so many ads this actually manages it better than a hand cannon creating environments where you're not running the same weapon for seven months and then when you're like oh, all these weapons in this raid are so strong and so incredible it doesn't matter you're not creating a narrow a meta because there's so many different layers of pain and so many different mechanical layers to combat there isn't a one-size-fits-all weapon or loadout so it's less about the guns and it's more about the combat more and more i've come to that realization and you get a teeny tiny glimpse of this when you watched me run speed runs of nightmare hunts at master when to go ariana's vow unstoppable on my loud lullaby i'm doing all these different things to engage with the combat in a specific way I, I'm not taking that loadout into into strikes or raids. That was a specific environment with pain points I was managing, and it was satisfying once I started doing it. 
And you would have never, you would have never looked at my loadout and thought, oh yeah, that's, 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 that's a one size fits all, take it everywhere loadout. You never would have thought that. Stefan's with the next question. Do you think raids, oh wait, hang on. I think there was one more question at the end. Should there be a narrative reason to return to vault or it just doesn't matter vaults back, baby? I'm going to say both. I'm going to say both to you. I, um, sometimes our excitement, our nostalgia overrides our, our critical thinking. So I'm not going to do that. Oh oh my gosh, vaults back. There is a part of me that says, okay, but what, what on earth, what are you going to spin up here to take us back there? Why, why are we going back to vault? So I actually would like there to be a reason to go back from, you know, story element. And uh, I haven't soundproofed the windows yet, so you're going to hear some lawn mowing for just a few seconds. We've done so much work in this room, but I still have to soundproof the windows. Um, So, me wanting that, I don't think that's a huge need. It's not like, oh my gosh, this needs to happen, right? This we got to do this right now. We 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 got to have we got to have a story, or there's you can't bring it back. I'm not going to say it's a need. I would like it. It'd be cool to know like why on earth are we going back to Vogue, but. I don't think that it is uh, it's absolutely necessary. I'm not going to die on this hill. It'll be weird, but we went back to Vaults of Glass and did all those raids in Age of Triumph and no one really asked any questions then either. Stephens, do you think raid-specific perks uh, is making a return to Vogue or will this be aspirational enough for the player base? Th- this is actually a very, very good question. So, if you're unfamiliar with Vaults of Glass, there are these sections where you need to shoot and destroy oracles, and the faster you do it, the better. It can be a little tough if you're underleveled, because it takes a long time, and you got people, you got snipers shooting at you, and you got ads shooting at you, and sometimes there's a timing, you know, you're going blind, oh no! You, there, there's a, there's an, an urgency. There's an urgency to the, uh, to the combat, and killing the oracles quicker is, uh, better. They're like these flashing lights. They look like crystals, kind of, like mechanical crystals. And the weapons that dropped in Vaults of Glass had Oracle Disruptor on them. Increased damage to Oracles, okay? So, that doesn't matter anywhere except for in Vault of Glass. Like, you're not you're not going anywhere and be like, I'm so glad I have Oracle Disruptor. Now, they were great weapons out of the box, and then that was tacked on as extra. If they don't do that in Vault of Glass 2.0, I think the concern would be that might feel like it doesn't really honor what Vault of Glass is. So I would hope those intrinsic perks would be present. In addition to, as I said in my video, these weapons and encounters should be inspired by and expanded upon. It's inspired by the Fatebringer, but it's expanded upon. It's not just a Fatebringer. There's more to it. It needs to feel like it lands at the tip of the new pyramid because everything should feel very different in year four or sunsetting was a scam, right? You guys know I'm pro-sunsetting, but if I don't walk out of Vaults of Glass or a raid in year four, if I don't walk out of there and think this thing is the is at the tip of the pyramid then sunsetting is a scam right i'd be i will be the first to switch teams if that happens i don't think that's going to happen but so that's why i'm saying you got to make it better it can't just be here's another fate bringer and about you know is this good enough to be aspirational absolutely not what is oracle disruptor in the grand scheme of things what is it it's a slight you know, millisecond to one second advantage in Vaults of Glass, and outside of that, 
that's all it is. So that's not good enough for aspirational. No. If you're making weapons for whatever new dungeons, raids, I would even say Grandmaster Nightfalls need a little love. If all you're giving me is a weapon with a perk that's that's good there, you know, uh, uh, Trials of Osiris would be another example. If I go flawless and you hand me a weapon and it gets a slight, like, marginal millisecond benefit in, you know, in Trials, that's not good enough to be quote-unquote aspirational. That will make sunsetting feel like a scam it'll be like what on earth why did we go through all this just to get weapons that aren't really any better than the other weapons in the game they need to be best in class they need to be standout they need to be powerful and if you're going to throw in intrinsic perks go for it why, why would you not at that point so boxer some people i didn't include their full username because it was like boxer and a bunch of numbers i don't want to like put your whole username in light of everything going on but that that's the name we're going with boxer uh while the return of the beloved raid is seen as a good thing the risk is the longevity of nostalgia how important and perhaps more importantly how likely is it that bungie should uh would or can break vog back fulfilling the member berries <laughs> the member berries while making it a newish experience worthy of bandwidth it took to bring back the d2 as compared to bring something totally new the, the, the core element of your question is how much nostalgia and how much you know re remixes on classic hits how much priority should that get with respect to bandwidth it's a good question it's a little long it's a little long-winded but it's a good question because we don't honestly know this is where we're gonna have to kind of shrug and say i don't know up to now i was always told and given the impression that bringing stuff over from d1 was not easy it was slow it was painstaking now there could be changes coming in september with respect to the engine that change that uh or they've been building the game in another engine and when they're doing that they thought well the best way to rebuild the game in another engine is to not rebuild leviathan because it's huge not rebuild these four less popular planets that gives you less work to do and you can make things like cosmodrome or europa or vault of glass and you're building it in this new engine if the new engine's more agile if it's more if building in that is the world building's more efficient then you have your answer right so a lot of speculation about engine change engine update all of that could be hovering around this question you know if let's take another train of thought here if it is really slow and really hard to bring d1 content over to d2 then this decision doesn't make any sense to me and I'll explain why if you're worried about bandwidth if you're worried about staying in front of content deliverable rhythms if that's a concern that Bungie has the last thing they should be doing is saying I've got an idea let's rhythmically and regularly bring stuff over from D1 like wait what it's really hard to do that does that make sense like if you're if you're struggling with bandwidth as a company, you're not going to put priority on stuff that's really slow and arduous. So, this again to me feels like a breadcrumb trail that I'm tracking to say there has to be some sort of a change starting in year 4 at an engine level, whether it's a micro change or a macro change, something huge or something minor. Something had to have changed for Bungie to say, "I've got it." 
for year four, five, and six, this is how we say it had a content rhythm. Well, how would you? Do, how do we do that? Let's bring back stuff from D one. If it's true that that's really slow and not expedient, everybody in the room would be like, "Dude, that's a horrible idea." We could make another raid the size of Vog faster. Why? Because we're not trying to bring over D1. It's not going to be as restrictive. We're not going to have to spend a bunch of time honoring the mechanics or honoring the look and the aesthetic. We can just make something new. That'll be faster. So I think my arguments logically sound in saying that there doesn't seem to be it, it a, a logical path to Bungie saying, let's bring back D1 stuff unless something in the background changed that makes that process not as slow or it's equal to making new or maybe faster than making new i would even go so far as to say that the only way you're going to bring back stuff from d1 is if it actually is quicker especially since these are raids we're talking about this is 10 percent of the community uh is going to say oh wow now this is obviously a pr move right vault of glass iconic first raid ever it'll hit youtube it hits the blogosphere it hits it hits you know twitter and twitch and there's articles written about you know bungie brings back classic raid from 2014 you know 7 years ago that's interesting it's 7 years anyway but i would say there is it's it's difficult for me to believe a reality of it is so slow to bring D1 stuff to D2. Let's do that on a regular basis. That seems like a terrible decision if if it's super slow. So it can't be. I just I can't see it being slow anymore to do that. Something had to have changed in the background. With Bungie stating vaulted raid content is being brought back like Vogue, do you see planet specific to those raids is coming as well? We kind of already touched on this with, with Venus. We already touched on this with Venus, okay? Number one, Moon's already here. That that covers Crota, if Crota, you know, makes a comeback. Of all the raids that might get skipped over, I could see that one getting skipped, but I could also see it being included because the Moon's already here and it's kind of a small raid. Maybe it's a little bit easier. Anyway. Uh, King's Fall is on the Dreadnought and we have... It's pretty much confirmed at this point. Dreadnought's making a return at some point. I mean, they confirmed it, said it was going to happen, and it hasn't. And now we got Savathun showing up, the Witch Queen. I always thought, you know, we were going to get a Taken Queen DLC. I'm actually glad they went with Witch Queen. It's It would have been a little weird. I wanted Taken Queen as the name, because then I could have been like, I was right, but I'll take Witch Queen. I would think Dreadnought shows up then. And then King's Fall's contained in the Dreadnought. Rather, the machine is over in the plague lands which is attached to the cosmodrome so again everything i just said the only real planet that would have to quote unquote come back is venus and in light of the argument i made earlier in this q a about they're removing so much from the game that to me means we're getting a lot in year four because you made a ton of room so that would mean venus could come back wouldn't be hard to add the plague lands not very big at all dreadnought's big but we know they have plans to bring it back so again it in the moon's already here so i would think that they don't have they won't have any problem either bringing all of them back or every, every all of them but crota and it would be very easy to add dreadnought since they were already planning to and then the plague lands the plague lands is a giant racetrack with archon's forge tacked onto it it wasn't a very big area at all so brandon 
should VOG be a temporary thing, same lifespan as a seasonal event, or permanent? Well, seasonal content is no longer limited to the season. It's that you're, There's not going to be this, oh man, it's here for three months and it's gone. That's going away. Uh, Luke Smith gave us that assurance that year four and beyond content added is available for an entire year. And I, I think that's, uh, that's encouraging. That's actually what we want to hear in light of everything that's happened up to now. So if, uh, if, if Vogue is around for a year, I'm okay with that. I mean, I would say it would make sense to let Vogue stick around for two years. And once you get to the point of, Hey, year five is about to begin. We got to remove some stuff. Well, you know, you can remove last wish by then, right? Resolve the curse, get rid of that raid and get rid of the dreaming city. We don't, you know, get rid of all that beginning of year five, 2021. I don't need that stuff anymore, right? That would be the next on the chopping block. Leviathan got chopped first a year later. What came out forsaken last wish, dreaming city, all that. So I would think you could leave Vog in for two years because there's other things that are, I would say at the front of the line, right? What was at the front of the line? Vanilla stuff, you know, Leviathan, vanilla DLC planets, were at the front of the line. They were the first content added. What's next in line? What's at the front of the line? Everything in Forsaken. So, Vogue would be the li- in the back of the line. It just got added. I can't see being like, yeah, 12 months later, yeah, get it out of here. Now, I don't know what Bungie's big picture plan is for the DCV, the Destiny Content Vault. I don't know. I don't know what their plan is for it. They could say, you know, we're we don't want to leave content like that in. it's meant to be a greatest hit thing it's meant to be like a a temporary thing i would think okay but you're leaving last wish in you know what that's really old content by now so that would be if i had to argue for position that would be the position i would argue for ah, come on leave it in you know it's a great raid um and and get rid of the you know the older stuff first but we'll have to wait and see what they say a bit of support how much of a rework does D1 content need to feel good in D2? With our new movement abilities and just being faster and more agile in general, won't that make the content seem bad in comparison to D1's counterpart? This is why at the beginning of the Q&A, I said, we forget, man. Oh, man, do we forget. We are we are, we are so fast and strong now. And our, our cooldowns, everything, it's crazy. Um, so when you say, how much of a rework... Bungie's going to have to consider, I think, at the very least, asking the question, what made Day One Garden so good? I think, in the grand scheme of things, Day One Garden was the best balance of new, challenging, you got mechanics to figure out, it was probably the best Day One raid of D2. Okay. Last wish, the Delta was stupid. It was too absurd. I think they raised it last minute because people found leveling loopholes. And obviously, all the teams that got either good RNG or you know found loopholes in leveling, you know, they were all the ones at the end because they were the only ones really strong enough to deal with the Delta. I thought that was terrible. That was the worst showing. And then Scourge of the Past, the team that got Worlds first was all at the end of the raid Delta when they went into the raid, and that was absurd. And that sparked the conversation about a global cap, which led to Contest. Contest Crown, eh, Crown was kind of, Crown was okay, but I think Contest Modifier Day 1 Garden was 
was the best day one raid of Destiny 2. And I didn't even finish it in the first 24 hours. We finished it before Tuesday. I think we came back on Monday and beat it or something. Anyway. So that that to me would be where, if I'm Bungie, that's where I would go. How did we get that right? The combination of the contest delta, mechanics, solving things, pain points, trying to stay alive. Analyze what made Garden so good and try to replicate that level of intensity, difficulty, you know, damage that has to be mitigated and dealt with, whether you're trying to kill a boss or stay alive. And then, you know, you have to deal with the fact that we already know what the rooms look like and the general basics of the mechanics. You got to deal with that as well. So if, if, if I'm, if I'm Bungie, that's where I go. The other thing I would do if I'm Bungie and I might be stepping ahead here, some questions about hard mode we, we need hard mode back. I would go back and analyze King's Fall. The difference between hard mode King's Fall and normal King's Fall is, to this date, I think the best difficulty spectrum of Destiny. They built hard mode first, and then they scaled down, stripped down, and made a normal mode from hard mode. I think that is the absolute best approach uh, to difficulty spectrum design for raids. And... We need to get back to that place. Grandmaster Nightfalls with 12 negative modifiers and an absurd delta and, you know, dropping the dungeon day one with an absurd delta. I don't think that is the approach. That is, we have fallen so far if we think that's good difficulty. If you think that's good difficulty, go back and look at the difference between normal King's Fall and hard King's Fall. That's a work of art. And what they're doing now is just like, it's just like a blunt object. It's just like, boom. There's no thought. There's no artistry. There's no dynamics. There's no creativity. You're just bludgeoning people with deltas and negative modifiers. Go back, recapture hard mode King's Fall versus normal King's Fall, and figure out why Day One Garden with Contest was such a good balance of difficulty, challenge, puzzle solving. It was a great day one raid, and I think that should influence their decisions with respect to Vaults of Glass. Mwave Monk. How should the loot have to be different, and will the Mythoclast return, and to what capacity would it retain its legacy? Following up, should the Mythoclast Catalyst be involved with a secret within the vault itself? Um... I would. I, I don't know why you wouldn't bring the mythic class back. I mean, all raids have their token exotic. The divinity was weird because it was a puzzle, but you know, the garden had its own exotic. So yes, mythic class should be a low drop rate exotic from Atheon, and then they should put drop rate protection in. So when I run my twelfth run, the drop rate should be a little bit better. Um, I would say after an entire month of constantly running the raid, if I don't have the exotic yet, I would say that's a bit of a, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous place to get. You get too far down the line and the raids, you know, the raids relevancy starts to die. If I'm trying to run the raid a month and a half to two months later, and I still haven't gotten the exotic, you gotta have a backstop. You gotta have a a protective barrier to say, okay, after 12 or 15 completions, it unlocks a quest. You can get it before then, so it's like, oh my gosh, super exciting if you get it early, but... As long as you've run it, you know, 12 or 15 times, that's basically you running it every week. Now, I'm saying that under the old rules. I don't think raids, I do not think raids should limit you to three runs anymore. I think the dungeon grind is the exact 
perfect structure for how you do endgame grind. It limits the loot pool for that week, so you can't literally get everything, right? Everything drops fresh. I'm pretty sure it's a punch-out system. Once you get everything, I'm not really sure how it works. I haven't been playing. Uh, But, you know, that to me is the best way to do it. You limit my pool for the week, so then I'm like, okay, this is what I can get, and then I'm just going to keep grinding it. Now, somebody might say, wouldn't you just save the checkpoint, the final boss, and just go until you get the exotic? Well, okay, okay, listen. I could say, all right, you get three chances at the exotic every week, and again, after you know 12 to 15 runs, you unlock a quest that you can work on to get it in the raid. So then you're at least like, okay, cool. Whew, like... All the time I was trying to get it, I'm working on sort of my my backstop levy of protection of if I don't get it after all this time. So that is that is how uh, I would do it. And I think Mythic Class coming back, exotic catalysts to me are weird. I'm actually not a fan of exotic catalysts. I just think the exotic should be the exotic out of the box. The fact that I never got the sleeper catalyst or the telesto catalyst because I didn't feel like running, you know, those those layers. Um, I've just never been a huge fan of that. I, I don't I don't think that I just don't like that. Now that's my preference. Other people might think no catalysts are cool. You know, catalysts are a great way, you know, to add layers to. It's almost like exotic quest, you know, part two. I'm not a fan of them, so I'm not going to make a video being like, good catalyst out of the game, but I don't think that they're that great. I don't think that they're necessary. I think the guns should just, exotics should just be exotics. Um, I could see that might be something they could consider for aspirational loot, like trials guns and raid guns. They could have catalysts that you work on and get that take them up into their upper their upper levels of performance um i've continued to argue as well that like we could use the the more we use the weapon the better the perks get rather than using the weapon to unlock the perks like in d1 that's that's a terrible idea but using it to level up the perks could be good rain with vault of glass returning would you like to see the old weapons return as they were in d1 or would you rather spiritual successor yeah, so doing Q&A this way, this person hasn't seen my video, so this is totally an understandable question. Essentially, what I argued in the video was inspired by and expanded upon. It should be very obvious this is a fate bringer, right? But it needs to be different, significant, I would say significantly different. Inspired by and expanded upon is, is, the, is the phrasing that I used because you don't want to just be like, yep, here's a fate bringer, here's a vision, you know, and I'm like, well, okay, these are okay, but these don't really feel like raid weapons. A new standard of raid weapons should be clearly seen in September, and that should give us a glimpse into just how good VOG weapons should and 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 uh, could and should be uh, once once VOG's in the game. Matt Ben. As someone uh, who have never raided in D1, do you think it's worth finding a group to run the D1 VOG beforehand, or would watching a YouTube video be good enough? Man, I gotta tell you, if you don't play on PC, I would go back and try to run it. Now, the the, the biggest dilemma you're gonna have is you'd have to maybe try to borrow somebody's account, because I don't know how strong you have to be back in D1 to even go run it. I mean, it's been so long uh, since I've played, but I'll phrase it this way. If you can do it without a bunch of preliminary work, then I would do it to experience it. It's the first raid ever in Destiny. You're going back and you are experiencing a classic. Uh, If you play on PC, I would be like, "Eh," I'd be a little less likely to push you to do it because the lower frame rate in FOV is a huge downer. It It gives me headaches. I can't do it. 
um, they were, we were always talking about going back and doing it as a community and I just was always like no I tried one night to go back I was like this is terrible but if and I'm not trying to like shame console players I'm just like dude no man it is tough it, it's it really is it's such a different experience but if you play on console now and you're accustomed to D2 at a 30 frames per second and the lower FOV and you can go back and play VOG I mean I would if if you can't line all that up then yeah you know watch a video it's uh it's a it's a great environment it's 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 gorgeous it's it shows I think for some of us, Vaults of Glass showed us what Bungie could do, even though they hadn't really done enough of it yet. It's like, you get an album, you're like, this album is not that good, this band is just kind of bad, they're all over the place, and then track nine hits, and you're like, what is this? You get a glimpse of what the band is capable of. That's what it feels like year one with Vogue. Year one was very disappointing. Destiny one was just, it was all over the place. It's a very disjointed and dissonant and disconnected game. But Vault of Glass gave us a glimpse into the mysterious and the and the and the mystique of destiny and what they could do if they really wanted to make like high level pve content and it was sort of the beginning of i think for many people i think vault of glass was sort of the beginning of them being a longtime fan of destiny a lot of people were ready to walk away it was like well, this game just sucks there's nothing to do the grind is awful vog walks in and it's like okay I, i'm a fan of destiny and I think that was the beginning for a lot of folks. And that's why I think if you can go back and experience or at least watch a video of it, it, it would be well worth your time. Bielbo. What is it exactly in Destiny 2 that makes the game too big? Uh, we only get Bungie tiptoeing around this answer and not being clear about it. Well, I mean... <sighs> Is when they talk about, you know, file size, they you know, they say how many gigs is required to install. Well, that's one that's one element of it. So you you know, you try to install Destiny right now, it's massive. Now, imagine everything that's in the game right now, and then tack on three more years and don't remove anything. Okay? You're talking about doubling the size of the game. Well, that starts to get absurd. Number one, from from a stability standpoint, you know, the engine has to boot up and access everything because you could potentially go anywhere so that's one i'm trying to keep this very layman because i don't really understand that 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 technical side so i'm keeping this very basic so the game has to be able to access all of that not to mention anytime you ask somebody to install this game you're talking about just a, a lifetime especially with whatever the heck sony does with its copying nonsense um That just takes forever. So I think it affects stability. I think that's one of the reasons the game has been so unstable as of late. Uh, Increase in error codes, increases in problems. Some of that could be related to background changes that they made. The tower seems to be the worst environment, and we know they made significant changes to the tower for the, you know, for the live event. And, but the rest of the game too just kind of seems kind of wobbly. And so I would say install size and, you know, engine stability are kind of the two things that are uh, touched down on this question. And in Noseworthy touches on it in the video, he talks about just how big the game is. Um, so I, I would, I would just continue to think that if, 
if they're wanting to keep the game afloat, you can't double its size over the next three years, and and you also can't be like, well, let's just let's just work with what we have. Uh, if you think of it as being like, there's only so much room on the table for so many Legos, and everything's already kind of built, and there's not room for anything else. You can be like, well, let's just keep going to each individual section, kind of try to rejuvenate it. Well, you'd get sick of that, you know? You'd be like, I want something new to do. And that's the general tension that they're in. Bielbo with another one. Why can't Bungie remove all the cutscenes from the game and render them at 1080 or better video quality and upload them to YouTube, make it uh, viewable within the game uh, for the place of cutscene? This is really similar to another recommendation. There was somebody that said, rip out the entire vanilla story and make it a free download and you can basically download you know destiny stories or something as the cutscenes and the audio and all those missions you know are taking up a bunch of space i think this is a, a an idea that they may have considered but it can start to feel a little you know it can start to feel a little chintzy if you're busting up the game to that degree you know, you've got you've got this over here if you want story. Oh, go to YouTube and watch this. Rip that out. Rip that. Put this in. Put that. You you got to be careful. I think if you slice up the game too much, it'll almost feel. Have you ever played one of those games where nothing feels connected? It's almost like a mobile game. You go on a mission. You do the mission, and the mission ends. And here's everything you did. Yay! Here's all your points. Boom. And then you're out of the mission and you're back on some HUD or social space and that's it, right? And then you go and you do another mission and it doesn't feel connected in any way to the last. That could start to happen with Destiny. Like if you slice it up too much, it's just go do this mission, come back, go do this mission, come back. And I know we already do that to a certain extent, but the fact that you can go to a planet, drive around, stuff is happening, go to a planet, initiate this event, do this thing, you do a strike, you're on the planet, you're driving around on the planet for the strike, you see people over here doing this, it gives you this sense of connectedness. It's a it's a world, it's not just you going from mission to mission to mission so if you if you take this line of thinking i think that's a danger i don't think your idea or the other person's idea is bad it's just i think there's a significant danger of ripping the soul of the game out and being left with just a bunch of scaffolding and missions and content loops and the game not feeling connected to any overarching sense of story or evolving world as they've said i think you can really gut that if you're not careful uh ryro do you think any of our current abilities or weapons will trivialize some of the encounters in Vogue? Well, I, I talked about this in the video. We don't even know what stasis is going to do. I mean, you got these these exploding units, you know, in two encounters that get close to you and try and explode, and that's a huge threat of survival. Well, if I can freeze stuff regularly with grenades, abilities, guns, I don't, you know, so stasis is in there too. You know, the raid weapons from September. I talked about that in the video. You're going to get new raid weapons in September that hopefully are best in class and really strong and awesome. And that poses a potential threat to Bog being trivialized. We're we're going to hope and trust that, that Bungie's aware of that, right? It would be very disappointing to get a week into Vogue being out and everybody being like, this is a joke. 
we're so strong all these new weapons and stasis abilities and stasis weapons this is a joke this doesn't even feel like a raid this feels like a a six-man strike right that is not our 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 dear and cherished vog deserves better than that and i would hope this is where people are like you just put too much faith in bungie well they love this as much as we do if not more it's theirs they made it it's their baby so i would think they're really really going to be cognizant and careful about this particular aspect and not just throw this thing out where we run over it freeze everything into an ice cube and then atheon just breaks into pieces and we're like well that was a joke like i can't see them wanting that to be the result either um i think they'll work to protect that element Doc 6. Two great features Vogue had for hardcore raiders in D1 was a hard mode and the Age of Triumph armor ornaments. How important do you think it is that Bungie brings back a hard mode to earn better and or exclusive loot in the D2 Vogue re-release? I'm going to take this in two parts. Number one, I have already, you know, in this Q&A really touched on hard mode being needed not just in Vogue, but as a concept, I believe it is needed. Um, Grandmaster Nightfalls to me is an over-realization of what we want to see in the game so there's two ditches to fall in here number one the ditch of no hard mode just everything's normal mode yep you beat it you're at delta it's a joke right the other ditch to fall into is Grandmaster Nightfalls here's 12 negative modifiers and a crazy delta have fun Um, something in the middle would be hard mode that's more about you know an increase in mechanical pain a moderate delta i do think contest modifier is great for maintaining intensity for maintaining pressure for making people feel the threat of like i gotta survive um and so i think a hard mode should come back now as far as like age of triumphs and ornaments and exclusive loot and all of that this is where I've continued to say you can get a whole lot more capital out of a raid with a raid NPC. Go see the raid NPC. He's been, she's been, they've been updated for the season. And they have new ornaments, new things for you to do, new bounties, new quests, a new seasonal reward. If you raid enough this season, you can get that awesome seasonal reward. You could do this with the Age of Triumph ornaments. Vogue lands and is awesome and then the next season they're like hey we're not done yet we're doing you know an NPC that's showing up and wants you to go back and prove your worth and your valor and might in Vogue and if you do it enough times here's all this dope stuff you're gonna get to me this is not just something that would be good for Vogue this would be good for a lot of the end game content the, the, the brand new raid in September right well, I, a season later saying hey come on back we got a bunch of new stuff for you we got ornaments for your weapons ornaments for your armor we've got you know a seasonal reward if you rank all the way up we got this really awesome thing it's a it's an emblem and a and a ghost a shader and a sparrow and a ship you know just, go, just throw it all as a package together there listen bungie ripped out an armor set from eververse and they threw it in the dungeon Okay, so 
you can start to rip out some of this super clean, crispy, awesome stuff from Eververse and start throwing it in to raids to give them longevity. So you're not quote unquote done with the raid just because you got the guns you wanted. You would there would be more to it. I'll be honest. When I was ra- when I was grinding the dungeon recently, it took me back. I was like, ah. Oh. This is what Destiny 1 felt like when I would set my sights on something and just not give up until I get it. I was going for a particular role on the Ikala shotgun. The whole time, I'm getting great rolls on my armor. I was like, this is what endgame grinding should look and feel like. I don't want to go and do bounties and strikes every day. Now, sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm in the mood to just grab bounties and just kind of cruise in the game. Other times, I want to squeeze an encounter dry for six hours and hope for a particular drop. It's just, you know, kind of what suits my fancy. We haven't had that. And if you suddenly say, all right, hey, raid's been out for a season, new season. This NPC's got all these things for you to do, all these cool, awesome, decorative things. We did that in Age of Triumph. I already had all the Wrath armor, but that ornamental Wrath armor was hot. Oh, the King's Fall and the and the Crota armor was unbelievable. They did such a good job back then with that particular time in the game. The art department crushed that. So they've proven Age of Triumph was free, by the way. So don't tell me you can't dr- like drum up that stuff. You can come up with really awesome, really cool, ornamental, decorative, hey, I'm a champion and killed all this stuff. You can do that. Like They have the ability to do it, and I would say that's a huge opportunity to extend endgame without a disproportionate amount of bandwidth being applied to endgame. Because you, you, are, you are needing to feed the seasonal content. Like You can't just ignore the mid lane and bottom bottom lane players they need to uh they need some love too and that would be a great way to not be too disproportionately focusing on the hardcore player i own d1 and can currently play vog does new vog need to be free to ensure i don't feel like i bought reissued content Uh, i mean listen i hear where you're coming from but i just am gonna say no i no i'm i'm obviously not going to be angry if they make it free but i also don't think there's a very strong argument if it's paid for um to me this is this is going to be brand new content new encounters brand new loot and to be like yeah but six years ago i bought destiny one for sixty dollars and now I'm paying for that content again. People are gonna, you know, call me a shill and an apologist here, but what? It just doesn't. That just doesn't feel like a strong argument to me. It's listen. It's not like they, they're they're taking Leviathan out of the game and then bringing it back two months later and being like, hey, if you want access to the the new and new and improved Leviathan, it's gonna cost you. We're talking about Vaults of Glass. We're talking about literally a six-year-old, by the time it lands in the game, almost seven-year-old raid. And I I don't want to give a lot of traction to this argument. I think this argument takes us down a very, very, you know, entitled... Not that you're entitled, but this takes us down a very entitled pathway of thinking. Bungie can never bring back anything, retool it, repurpose it, reuse it, and sell it because, oh, that's that's absurd you know i'm i'm buying something that i already had before okay well go run vogue then 
Like, I, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be harsh, but like, go run Vogue then. How great is it? How awesome is it? Well, it's not that great. Nobody's really playing anymore. It's old. It's, you know, it's on the old consoles. Okay, well, the new consoles are going to land, and PC exists, and this thing's going to be updated and spruced up, the new mechanics and new loot, and all, it's going to be awesome. So if you have to pay money to get access to it, I, you know, I don't know. With love in my heart, I would say get over it. Now, I know you're not saying, you're not trying to really draw the argument too hard, but that's where that argument takes us. And that's why I'm like, uh uh, no, this is totally fine as long as there's a significant amount of updated newness to it. I don't have it being like, no, you gotta, you gotta buy to have access to this. Listen. Go right now to Bungie.net, click on Season of Arrivals, scroll down to where there's like a teal box and a gray box, and there's all these bullet points of what you get for paid and what you get for free. We get very little for for, for money. We like the, there's so much that is free. So much. It it honestly looks like why would I buy? It, that's what it looks like. It's like, why would I even buy this? Well, you you better not have a seasonal landing page in, you know, the summer of 2021 where you're like, here's everything you can get paid, and the free column has vaults of glass in it. That just feels absurd to me. It's a raid, you know? So, I don't want to take, I don't want to give this thing too much traction, because I'm, I'm, we're going to have these debates. No doubt. No doubt we will have these debates in the community. People are going to get, you know, they're going to be unhappy about this, but I don't think it's a very strong, I don't think you have a very strong case to make. With music, remastering an album will make money from existing content with less effort. Is gaming content the same, or does it take almost as much time and money to rework old content? This is a bit of a repeat. I shouldn't have put this one here. I'm sorry. I'm grabbing these from Discord and just kind of copy pasting so I can record these episodes. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, we don't know the answer to this. I, I already talked about this and my logic was very simple. It was, if it's really slow to bring D1 content into D2... I can't see Bungie pulling the trigger on this because they would basically be saying, let's really hurt our efficiency. I mean, fundamentally, if that's what they would be saying, hey man, bringing stuff from D1 to D2 is really hard. I have an idea. Let's do that regularly. What? You're going to murder our efficiency. You're going to have entire teams dedicated to slow projects. Um, so I, I can't see something change in the background. I still have a feeling we're going to get some sort of an announcement or something about what's changing engine level in the game you know September and beyond we'll have to wait and see if that happens Stefan's contest modifier would be a neat way to implement a hard mode VOG what modifiers do you think would be challenging to take on the raid besides 12-ish negative uh, looks to Grandmaster I don't know if I like the idea of modifiers in a raid. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of. I didn't like when they did the curated loadouts. You know, they tell me what I had to run and all that. I no, I didn't like that. A raid should be a raid. It should just stand on its own. I do think contest modifier is a great unifying unifying effect to say. You know, this is always going to feel challenging you're always going to be below the delta no matter what and what that does is is that creates this there's like this natural barrier where you can still 
There is no way to kill the ads any faster. There is no way to stay alive any any better. You've got to go into cover. You have to you have to watch your health. You have to you know have decent recovery. Okay, because timing and rhythm in the combat, you know, you're getting pushed and you can't step out to defend yourself because you're literally on death's doorstep. Like those rhythms create that sense of urgency and that intensity and I use the example of the bowl encounter in the dungeon the one where you're getting rid of the different bowls and then the shadows flip and everything else it's kind of a small area um the intensity of that encounter just goes away when you're over the delta if you had to do that encounter while still seeing swords to this day it would retain its sense of aspiration it would retain its sense of being difficult no matter if you beat it week one or week four you beat the same encounter that i did if you beat it week four and you're over leveled we did not beat the same content you beat something that was significantly easier and i beat something that was intense tough you know my hands were sweating the sprint cancel was happening <laughs> so i think contest modifier is just such a good unifying effect on the game that it's always got this sense of this is tough content and i think that's what they should do with hard mode grandmaster you know is is a place where they're already using it to do that to ensure that you never get over leveled now to a certain extent they're having to do that because the artifact <laughs> has endless leveling which i think creates more problems than it's worth but you know whatever i have a video on that why i don't i don't think we should have endless leveling on the artifact i don't think it's serving a good purpose anymore i think it creates more problems uh than there's there's less bad i'm sorry there's less good that comes from it and more bad uh that tends to come from it so i i don't i don't actually think that they should be doing that anymore but that's kind of beside the point modifiers i don't like the idea of modifiers in a raid this is what i like you go up to hard contest is turned on so nobody can be over leveled you see swords the whole time and there's new layers of mechanical pain like when they added the light eater knights in king's fall i think that's uh the best way to do it and they even kind of did this in wrath wrath was not quite as good it was more like hey you had to do this thing now you got to do it more now you got to throw more balls now you got to kill more servers so it was it was i think the best thing king's fall surge what should players expect that never played d1 if changes are made that make the raid difficult could it be a home run with someone with a new experience versus a dull reaction from a player that's already did the raid many times how does nostalgia factor in versus a new experience this is why i said they should look at garden of salvation day one if they can mimic that whether you're a new player or a returning player it will feel like a destiny 2 raid And for the returning players, oh, this is so cool. Oh, look, they changed this. That's different. This is different. I got XYZ gun or piece of armor. And for the, you know, the player that never played Vogue, it's like, this is a dope raid, dude. It's a good Destiny 2 raid. Um, You know, that would, if you want both players to feel a sense of satisfaction, this is why I think they've really got to analyze what made Garden of Salvation Day 1 so good. And what what would what would that mean for interpreting encounters in Vogue to maintain that sense of intensity and difficulty? And then they also have to consider experience and power. As I said at the very beginning, we have so much experience rating now, and we know what to expect in Vogue, and we're really powerful. What are you going to do to mitigate that? 
What are you going to do to surprise us? What are you going to do to make it tough for us to just absolutely bake and blow up everything like it's nothing? How are you going to do all that? Uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see what they decide to do. Stormcaller. I hope the version they bring back is the Age of Triumph for rewards. Ornaments ETC, do you feel the same? We touched on this a few questions ago because the idea here is, you know, Age of Triumph was excellent. Age of Triumph was, you know, the the for many people, the golden era of, of Destiny 1. And that's why I continue to think you can recapture that sense of come run the raid for cooler, flashier stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to be more powerful stuff. Just it's cool, it's flashy, it's ornamental. I think Age of Triumph proved that you can do that to get more capital out of out of content, and I would love to see that with you know these raids. Another one from Stormcaller: Should we get the hard mode back? Hard mode was the pinnacle of the raids with uh, no G horn icebreaker. The raid's going to be harder, I think. And this should all raids starting with the one in September finally get a hard mode. This was a bit of a repeat, but I kept it in here. Stormcaller is a VIP uh, from Patreon. I was like, okay, I can answer this question another way, even though it's a bit of a repeat. So I've already said what I think about hard mode and what I think about how they could do it in Vogue. But your second part of your question, I think, is good. Should all raids with the one in September finally get a hard mode? Um, And what you actually mean here is September of 2020, not 2021. Um, I think anything that is considered endgame content so grandmaster nightfalls dungeons raids and that's pretty much all of it right or hidden quests like whisper um all of them should have a hard mode and that's why i think contest modifier is a super underutilized very excellent tool and thing because it gives you the ability to immediately make something more difficult more challenging and that's why I always say contest modifier and marry that to the King's Fall hard mode philosophy of we're going to add mechanical pain. I think the reason I'm a big proponent of increasing mechanical pain is you can only finesse it. You can't override it with power, with raw power, right? So this relates to some of my rant some of my rants and some of my soapboxes I get on about how we're addicted to the one phase. We think one phasing a boss is like necessary in raids and go play Oryx and talk to me about a one phase. That's not a, you know, that's an endurance. You've got to stay alive. You've got to do the same thing four times and you got to do it well or you're done. Right? So being addicted to the one phase, I think has turned us into we're bad raiders with respect to expectations. You should not expect to go in in one phase everything. And the reason I'm bringing up one phase is if they were going to mechanical pain can't be brute forced with power. You can't one phase something that's mechanical. And that's what uh, King's Fall feels like on hard mode. I can finesse and excel and improve at light eater night management making sure ogres die really fast in the corner making sure the team is synergized on timing for detonation making sure i know what to do if somebody goes down or somebody needs a res or somebody missed their night you know what i'm saying like i can finesse all of that i can't glide over it 
and this is why I loved Wrath too. You know, Axis finessing that fight to make sure you could always slam plates and always have your super. This was something they did for challenge mode, but it gave you that sense of this is an increased mechanical requirement that I'm going to finesse and get really, really good at. That gives you a sense of accomplishment. I don't feel a sense of accomplishment because my level number is really high and I can stand in a well of radiance and dump a grenade launcher into a boss's face. Just some big dumb prop standing there just clunk, 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 clunk. And sure, it's exciting to see that health bar go down, but mechanical pain brings a sense of I'm really good at X. When I would hold the aura at War Priest, shoot an ad, and then do three black spindle shots on the War Priest, and then kill an ad with, you know, seconds to spare, mere, mere seconds, sometimes a second to spare, that was me finessing a mechanic that I could have been like, I'm going to take the easy road, I'm just going to sit here behind this rock and shoot an ad every time I see the number two, you know, three, two, kaboom, and then, you know, maintain the aura. So increasing mechanical pain brings opportunity for folks to fail, struggle, excel, and finesse. Like a spectrum there, right? You're going to fail at it. You're not good at it. Then you're going to struggle. You're getting better. Then you're going you're gonna to excel at it. Then you're going to finesse it. You're going to be so good at it. You can help your buddy or you can go do another one. This, to me, is the pathway to hard content in Destiny. That's why I constantly bring up champions and speedrunning the Master Nightmare Hunts because that took finesse, timing, synergy, talking with my team, changing our loadout, doing things well. You know, me using Unstoppable on my Loud Lullaby to stun a knight's head so he's primed and ready for the Izanagi's guys to take him down. These are things that bring a greater sense of satisfaction than just baking a boss. And... This is why when we were doing that, I got very critical of the the immunity uh, problem in the Nightmare Hunts. So we were going in and we were using Oppressive Darkness and, you know, Nightmare, Supreme Nightmare Banisher or whatever the mod was to make your super really strong. And we were doing Triple Nova Bakes, basically meaning you would grab Unstable Essence, hit the boss with a grenade, and then everybody Novas, and you try to kill the boss in one go. Because if you don't, it glitches him out. You get, like, multiple immunity phases back to back. You gotta fight multiple waves of enemies. And the reason I criticized that was... Many of the boss fights, if that immunity phase wouldn't have glitched out, we could have gone in, done a ton of damage, you know, 70, 80%, boom, no problem. All right, come over here, dig in, kill the ads, kill the, kill those guys. All right, DPS round two, kaboom, kill them. And that would have come with fail, struggle, uh, excel, finesse. We'd have gotten to the point where we had the fight down like clockwork. And instead of that, we had to like try to circumvent this stupid immunity phase and it it led to a lot of frustration. And so when I look at an encounter like that, that's always my question is, can we finesse this? You know, getting Oryx and killing him it felt good when you had like a really good run and you finessed. You you hit those light eater knights like it was nothing. Your your ogres were nice and tight in the corners. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. That's like really, really satisfying. Contrast that to going in, satisfying a couple of mechanics, and just emptying everything you've got in a boss and watching their health bar evaporate. 
one feels like athletes that have perfected a routine the other just feels like a bunch of cavemen just clubbing a boss in the face just sort of it just feels very stupid so that's a very very long roundabout answer to your question but I would love to see that be where endgame content starts to go and we move away from this the current you know trend that we're in now do you think it would be worth reworking the Gorgon maze or the jumping puzzle encounters to make them a little bit more interesting for D2? Maybe actually requiring us to do something in the maze, uh, unlock the path and extending the jumping puzzle, making it a little bit more intricate so we can't just fly across the gap with supers. Those encounters could be so much more grander in my opinion. Uh, I just always thought it was a shame how negligible they were. It does feel a, re- a little bit weird, like thinking back, like the Gorgon Maze is like a is like a, a stealth encounter, and then you have like a hidden area. You know, you have the hidden chest. Um, I don't have any ideas here, but I'm gonna give you a thumbs up and say yes, do it. Rework the Gorgon Maze, the jumping puzzle. No, I mean jumping puzzles. They're always there. They're time sinks. You got to get across. You always got that guy that just can't do it. and Everybody laughs at him. And then eventually you go from laughing to being like, dude, just go to freaking orbit. This is wasting time. (laughs) But the Gorgon maze could, I think, go for a rework. Like actually do something. Really surprise us. Put a boss in there. Holy moly. We got to kill this boss. We got to kill the Gorgons. What? This is not how it used to be. You know, throw us a curveball. It'd be scary. It'd be intense. It'd be cool. Um... So that's that's the route that I would uh, that I would take with that. I'm not going to die on this hill if the Gorgon Maze is still something where you just kind of sneak around and don't really do anything. You know, I'm of the opinion. Okay, I'm of the opinion that Wrath of the Machine was perfect for a lot of reasons. It it basically needed one more boss encounter. To this day, I still think that the the siege engine should have fell in the water, and then there was like that one room that seemed like we were going to go into it. We should have gone in there and had to fight him. Siege engine should have been all Siva-ified and actually face it. You know, we don't actually fight it. We blow its face off and then jump on it and and and, and we repair it. It's such a weird encounter, but it's missing an encounter. But by and large, Wrath is perfect. One of the reasons I think Wrath is perfect is you don't waste a bunch of time traveling from one section to the next. Now, there will be people that will push back on this, and they'll say, that's part of the journey, that's part of the story, that gives it this big, epic, grand scale. Really? Every, you you like running the tomb ships, you know, your, your 28th time? Really? No, people skip that stuff with checkpoints for a reason. It just kind of gets, it gets old. And... Yeah, it's funny to tease people because they can't get across. I know, I know there are going to be people that disagree with me on this, but I think the in-between sections should be short, sweet, to the point. Maybe have something surprise us. Maybe have something where people can fall and get bounced and stuff. That's always funny. Ha ha ha. But I want more bandwidth spent on encounters and boss fights and and mechanics so that there's, you know, I'm asking them to add mechanics to fights like the Light Eater Knights. I'm asking them to add difficulty spectrum. I'd rather them invest in that than, oh, this jumping puzzle. Oh, yeah, they're totally not going to be ready. This Gorgon maze. Oh, it's totally not going to be ready. The, 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 the traveling in between could be shorter, sweeter, more to the point, and still honor what that's meant to be. It's meant to be a journey. It's meant to be a, oh, this is weird. Where are we? You know, 
Well, the, the underbelly and the castellum and all that in Leviathan, it just ends up feeling like such a waste of time uh, so much of the time. And listen, I don't want to be one of those jaded people that's like, I better be in and out of this raid in an hour and a half or I'm going to rant, rave, and cuss out my team. Like, I don't want to be that jaded raider that doesn't want to do any of the in-between. Every death, every stumble is, like, irritating. I don't want to be that guy. But I also want to think through what do we get, you know, more lasting value out of? I think better encounters, I think layers, mechanics, and challenges, and dynamics in the encounters, I think we get way more out of that than we get out of, you know, Carl falling for the 85th time at at, at the tomb ships and having to go to orbit so we can just move on and go to the next encounter. Um, They're always fun that first week. Where are we? Oh my gosh, what do we do? Where do we go? And then after that, it becomes just an exercise in in patience. Like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to, you know, have to wait on all these people to get through here um so you can respect the history of there being jumping puzzles and in between areas make them a little shorter a little sweeter but if i'm asking them to add mechanics and rework stuff i don't know if i'd put my flag on gorgon maze or the jumping puzzle i would put my flag on the templar and atheon and maybe even the opening encounter i that's where i would want some more depth and dynamics and cooler stuff happening throw me for a loop you know and then there's the fight before atheon right you can add a lot more there and i think you get more bang for your buck there because that's an encounter it's failable it's it's challenging and uh i would focus less on things like gorgon maze and jumping puzzles so that was a great q a session if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube patreon.com forward slash SNTR Presents is how you join Q&A. Uh, you sync your Patreon with Discord. It'll automatically put you in the server, and that's where you can submit questions. For the time being, we are not doing these live. We're in a bit of an interim period. We're trying to figure out what's going on, and eventually these will be happening live again, and this may be the way we continue to have you submit questions. VIPs get to submit first, so if you want to upgrade from the Tier 1 to the VIP, you can do that. Uh, and I appreciate the support so, so much. Thank you for supporting the channel so I can continue doing this uh, and continue doing what I love and support my family. You guys have been the absolute best. Thank you for standing by uh, and standing with me through all of this. And uh, if you're listening to this on, you know, all the other locations, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash SNTR presents to join and support. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe.